Welcome to the Resurrection People podcast with Preston Sharp, pastor of Sacrament Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and curator of The Art of Preaching. Each week, we look at three readings from the Bible, drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Find more at theartofpreaching.substack.com. Welcome back to the Resurrection People podcast. Today, we're looking at the Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday of Advent, which just so happens to be Christmas Eve. That's the way that the calendar falls. And now there are different readings for Christmas and Christmas Eve than there are for the fourth Sunday of Advent. And depending on your tradition, you may be handling that in a variety of different ways. But we're going to go ahead and look at the fourth Sunday of Advent this week. And our Old Testament reading comes from 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 11, and verse 16. David, King David, has finally settled in his new home, Israel's new capital. He has been given, the verse says, rest from all of his enemies around him. And it is at this point that David is ready to find out what is next for his life. King David was a go-getter. He's not content with sitting around and just basking in his new city and his new authority. He has just brought the Ark of the Lord to Jerusalem, this new capital, recentering the life of Israel on worship and God's presence. Now it's time in his mind for a building campaign. <laughs> David decides that he will build a sanctuary, a temple for the Ark. That's in verse 2. David announces his plans to Nathan, the prophet, and gets his approval and blessing, verse 3. So this seems like the obvious next step. Okay, so we've settled in the new capital now, and we've got a place for the ark, and now let's build a temple. But we are to notice that neither David nor Nathan ever pray about this plan. Eugene Peterson insightly points out that sometimes motives appear so pure and things just seem to make so much sense that we don't feel the need to pray. So building plans move along really quickly. But then, after a night of prayer, Nathan the prophet has second thoughts about the whole thing. David's plan sounds good, but this is David's plan, not God's plan. In fact, God says to Nathan that if David moves forward with building him a house, that it will get in the way of God's plans for David. One of the main points here is that David is committed to building a temple for the Lord God. He has the right motives and even right intentions, but this ultimately must be God's project. We may know Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. That's from this story. David has decided to build God a temple, but God reverses it and says at the end, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. In other words, you think you'll build me a house? Nah, I'm going to build you a house. The whole thing is that this is about what God does, not about what David or anyone else will do. The reader once again needs to remember Israel's story. Remember that Israel wanted a king to be like everyone else, every other nation. In the same way, Israel wants a temple so that they can be like everyone else, all of the other pagan nations. These were two things that all the other kingdoms, all the other pagan nations had. They had kings and they had temples. Now let's think about what these things mean. So kings represent proper government, administration. Kings or leaders keep us from anarchy. Temples represent presence. They show us that our God is near. 
The problem is that kings become corrupt and temples become idols. Even though God knew that a king was not best for Israel, God chose to work within the structures of the people. So they were given a king, first Saul, now David. But it's so fascinating because even in the context of these structures, Yahweh, God, is always up to something different, something subversive. Even when God gives the people what they want, it's always revolutionarily different from what they imagine. How's it different? Well, the Lord seeks not an ordinary king, but a king after his own heart. The Lord seeks not a stagnant or stationary temple, but a temple that would go out and bless the world. Both are signposts which point us to God's intention for his people and for the world. Another important wrinkle to this story is the question of the king's offspring. This was really important in every ancient kingdom, that there was family, there was lineage, that the kingship, the monarchy could be passed on to. We're told in chapter 6 that David's wife, Michael, is unable to have children. Just as the building of a temple is God's business, to be done by God's initiative, the question of David's successor is God's business. With this in mind, the prophet Nathan's entire prophecy can be summarized this way. You are not to build a house for God, but he will raise a house for you, and it will last forever. In other words, not only is God going to build a temple, but God is going to raise a family for David, even when he seems unable. David's immediate successors we see are a mess. We're told it's because of David's immorality. We see that in 2 Samuel 12, but that's not the end of the story. God does not give up on David. Why? Because the story is ultimately not about David. It's about God and his love for his people. The word of the Lord to David is that there is one who would come and would be both the true king, the one who loves and cares and even dies for his people, and the true temple. Not just a building, but a person. Now remember, this whole project is about what God does, not about what David or anyone else will do. In fact, God is the first person subject in 23 verbs in this passage. The Lord tells David he will have a son whose throne will be established forever. And let's put a pin in it there. Thanks for listening to the Resurrection People podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us get the word out. You can hear full sermons at sacramentchurch.com and find out more at theartofpreaching.substack.com.